All right, amen. Let's pray together before you're seated. Before you're seated. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the chance to be in your house, the house that you are building. We agree with your word and trust that you are going to speak to us today. And so, Father, we pray that you would send your spirit into this place right now, that though we are distracted, you would fill our minds and hearts at this moment. And it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you. I think I'm done. Ben always has to wait or Kevin has to wait because they never know what I'm going to pull on them. How are we doing this morning? You feeling rowdy today? I'm feeling rowdy today. Are you feeling rowdy today? Some of you are like, no, please don't make me stand for the love. It's all right. This is like Super Bowl for me, right? Like every Sunday, like I just, I'm ready to go, man. We started a new series last week called When Pigs Fly. Have you ever used the phrase when pigs fly? Have you ever heard the phrase used when pigs fly? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about when I say when pigs fly? How many of you are confused? No, don't raise your hand. All right. <laughs> Josh is like, I'm confused. I don't know what you're talking about. No, what, what, what do we know about when pigs fly? Well, we say that phrase when something is supposedly going to happen that we know is not going to happen, right? You know, and I shared the story last week of being in middle school and a friend of mine wanting to ask a girl out and we were all like, <laughs> and my, you know, middle school teacher was like, yeah, when pigs fly. And that was my first introduction to it. And it's like, you know, he was clearly not a believer in my buddy and that that was going to happen. And maybe what he was saying is that that girl would never say yes. Maybe that's really what he was saying. But we kind of understand that. But we kind of can fall into this mentality as followers of Jesus that miracles were a thing of the past. That miracles were something that God did for them in those times and that he doesn't do those things anymore. But what do we know that the Bible says about our God? It says that he's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same for how long? Forever. Right? And so what, what we're doing now is we're going back to the Bible saying, what exactly can we count on God for in the realm of miracles? And what we discovered last week is that when it comes to your life and my life, there is spiritual opposition. The Bible says that we do not wrestle in this life against flesh and blood. The opposition you see in another human being is not just a human being. That there are spiritual forces behind that and we wrestle against the powers of a dark world. But what did we discover? We discovered that though we don't have any power, we have a God who has all the power. And can He get an amen for that? Right? So, whatever's going on in your life, you have to recognize what Peter and James and the apostles told us 2,000 years ago, right? That the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's reality. And so we talked last week about miracles of deliverance. Today I want to talk about the one that probably is what we most think of when we think about miracles and when we think about the Bible and we think about does God still do miracles? And that's miracles of healing. 
miracles of healing. Why did he do it? What did he do it for? And, and how does that look today? Because that's a real question, right? You, one thing that's, that makes all of us, no matter how different we are, no matter how diverse we are, is we all need God to show up. Right? Because if, if God is not going to move in my life, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. And even if He doesn't do what I want Him to do, I need to know that He's at work. And for so many of us, if I was to poll you, you've either lost a loved one, you either have a, have a loved one that's struggling with a health problem, or you know somebody in your life that's struggling with a health problem. And... and and we, we can point to miracle stories in this church about people being healed by God. There, there's, okay, and I said last week, I'm not going to call anybody up, I'm not going to get snakes out, and I'm not going to smack you on the forehead, okay? That's not how we roll here. I don't think that's how God rolls, and I don't think that's how the Bible rolls, okay? Which is God's word to us, okay? So, so... Nothing weird's going to happen, but what we're also acknowledging is that God still does miracles. I've seen it in my life. Pastor Jake's seen it in his family's life. And no doubt you've seen it in your life. That you can point to somebody somewhere that God did something significant that could not be explained. I had a doctor look me in the eye just a couple months ago and pull up six years worth of ultrasounds on my thyroid and then they said that there was cancer and then the most recent one he walks into it walks in this you know God is my witness and you can get the nurse his little nurse assistant who was like in the background like this because she was a believer and my doctor was not and she's literally jumping in the background and he looks at he puts this thing up that and I don't know what I'm looking at like it's just like all this like jumbled stuff in black and white and I'm just like you gotta tell me what that means, man. And he's like, he's like, on this one, there's this. On this one, there's not this. On six years of them, there's this. On this one, there's not this. And what he was saying is, it's gone. It's gone. And there's no explanation for that other than God chose in that moment to take it away. And he didn't have to. And quite frankly, when I go back there next month, he can put it back if he wants. And it will be for His glory and His purposes. And we're going to talk about that today. But beyond that, what really you and I are asking the question about is, we've all had somebody that we wanted God to heal, and He didn't. Is that fair? Why does God heal some and not others? You see, because if I was to ask you this question and you were to vote, I think I know how you'd vote if you are a follower of Jesus, that how many of you believe that God has the ability to perform miracles? If we were to take that vote, if you were to get on my Instagram story and vote on on that poll, I think it would be heavily skewed in the yes category. I think we all believe that God has the ability to... But on the follow-through side of that, we've prayed for that to happen and we've seen it not come through. And that's the place where we ask the question, what is God doing? What is God doing? Because we, 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 we see something like what happened in my life and it seems small, though it's a miracle. 
And even in my own life, I ask, well, God, why did you answer that prayer, but not... And I can fill in names. I can fill in names of people who meant the world to me. That that prayer did not get answered. And you have to ask that questions. And one of the things we want to do at Redeemer City Church is not run from the biggest questions that you have. And so as we think about that, one of the biggest tensions for so many people is we know, when we know God can, but God doesn't, it leads to confusion, questions, and doubts. And so we want to dive into that today. But as we start, I want to give you a formula for faith. Okay, I want to give you a formula for faith. And this is going to overview everything that we talk about today. But you want to write this down if you're taking notes. And uh, we've been giving away binders. If you, if you need a binder, you can come back to Info Central. And uh, all the notes we give out in the worship guides are three-hole punched. You can collect them in one place. And uh, like I say every week, you'll get to heaven faster. So um, that's not true. If you don't know Jesus, that's not true at all. So you should just keep that in mind. All right? But, but here, here's the first thing I want you to write down. First thing I want to write down. The, this tension is the place where we not need God to most grant us hope plus trust equals faith. Does that make sense? Hope plus trust equals faith. Because the Bible says without faith, says this in Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay? Wrap your head around that. You, you can do everything right in your life, which you're not doing, by the way. Just let me burst that bubble for you right now. I think Pastor Jake already did, but I just want to go ahead and follow it up and say, you're not. But let's say you did everything right. If you do it without faith, it doesn't please God. So everything in your life, we've got to come to this place where the Holy Spirit would grant us hope and trust. Because if you don't have any hope, how many of you know... It's difficult to live life. And if you don't have any trust in God, it's hard to have faith. So we need hope plus trust to equal our faith because the Bible says earlier in Hebrews, it says that faith is a hope in what you cannot see, the evidence of things not seen. So we're working towards that, but what makes that difficult is when we feel like God doesn't show up. And I've talked with some of you face to face and you've said there are times where you just feel like God's not there. God God doesn't hear you, but you know that He's there. Where do we go in that moment? And so what we we obviously we go back to the Bible. We go back to God's Word. Because that's where we have to go. We don't have anything else to offer, do we? You know, you, you, you can go out into the world, you can go out into culture, and you can ask these questions, and you're gonna get you're gonna get bad answers. You're going to get answers that don't give you life. You're going to get answers that don't give you hope. You're going to get answers from science that aren't going to line up with your experience. And at the end of the day, you're going to be told to have faith in something that you cannot see. So what does the Bible have to offer that? Well, when you go back into the Old Testament, miracles are everywhere. And I think that's part of that's part of what we see. We see that the, there there were miracles in the Bible. I mean, you go back to Samuel's story, and Hannah is a mom who is who is barren, who cannot have children. Some of you that has been your story, you where where you've wanted children and could not have them, and and some of you have wanted children and lost children, and 
you, you, you look at God and you say, why not? Because when you look in the Old Testament, you see Hannah has this miraculous birth where she cannot have children and God opens up her womb and she's able to have children. And then we see her give Samuel back to the Lord. And it's this wonderful, miraculous story. And so we know that he can. We know that he can. We go to the story of Elijah and, and a boy is dead and Elijah goes into that room and, and throws everybody out and then raises this boy back to life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, so, so we see that and we say, okay, I know God can. And there's Bible verses that say He's the same now as He was then. Why doesn't He? We can go into even a secular moment where God is using King Nebuchadnezzar and God takes Nebuchadnezzar or King Nebi if you can't pronounce that and sends him and uses him to oppress his people to bring them back to himself and when all that happens God sends him literally into a field and he's crawling around on all fours and the Bible says he's insane he's eating grass he's doing crazy things but then God heals him of that and brings him back. And we say, God, if you'll do it for Nebuchadnezzar, who was a terrible person, why not do it for me, who's not a terrible person? And that's a theological conundrum because, you know, the Bible says we all have sinned and fall short. But when the rubber hits the road, we look in the Bible and we know that God can. You move move to the New Testament and it gets even worse. Right? Move to the New Testament and just in the Gospels... Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just in the Gospels, there's 30 different miracles of healing. 30. Just in those pages, there's 30 different ones. And then John adds the detail that there were hundreds more that he didn't record. So so we've got this testimony in the Bible of God healing people over and over and over and over and over again. And we ask, why not? Why not us? Why not us? If Jesus can heal the blind, open deaf ears, heal lepers, and raise the dead, why not us? I mean, it gets, it gets even worse, right? In Acts, I mean, the Bible records this story. Okay, are you tracking with me? You need to know this. All right? Paul is preaching. Paul is preaching, and it's so boring. <laughs> Paul's sermon is so boring. I don't think this has ever happened to me. You can just let me know if this has happened. This is why we don't have a second story at Redeemer City Church. But Paul's preaching and this kid named Eutychus is falling asleep. How many Tell the truth or shame the devil. How many of you have ever done this at church? How many of you are doing it right now? <laughs> right? You just, whoa. What just happened? How long have I been here? Right? This is happening to Eutychus and the Bible says that he falls out the window and dies. I don't think that's ever happened to me, praise God. I'm I'm sure I've bored some people, but I don't think I've ever bored you to the point where you died. Okay? So Eutychus dies. But what happens? Paul goes down. This is probably why it didn't matter. Paul goes down and raises him back to life. That's an axe. And so we just see all through the Bible that even when Paul preaches a boring sermon, that God can raise somebody back to life, right? And quite frankly, he's been doing that 
throughout centuries as people preach the gospel who aren't worthy to preach the gospel and people come to life in Christ. So we see this over and over. And I'm just making a case for you because there's even a controversial story in Matthew chapter 8 where Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. Alright? And so... Just over and over and over and over and over again. Am I making sense that God can? <laughs> we, we believe that God has the ability to heal people. He has the ability. But then Jesus makes an interesting statement in John chapter 14, verse 12. Listen to this. He says, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me... Okay, you tracking with me? Whoever believes in Jesus will also do the works that I do. And, everybody say and, greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. So many things wrong about this, right? (laughs) Not really, but we think there is. Because, A, who thinks it's a good idea that Jesus leaves? Nobody does, right? But why? Because he said he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And so, suddenly, you and me, filled with the Holy Spirit, is able to do not only what Jesus did, but greater things than Jesus did. Is anybody's head spinning? What does that mean? (laughs) What does it look like for you and I to do greater things than Jesus? Because again... Let's build our case a little more. When it comes to our life with Christ, if God can, why doesn't He heal depression, addiction, sickness, all of these things? And some tragically conclude, and maybe you're here today and you've tragically concluded, that He's either not real, not good, or doesn't care. And I want you to know today that none of those could be further from the truth And here's the next thing in your notes that I want you to write down. I want you to write down, Our God cares. Our God heals, but He doesn't heal everyone all of the time. Our God heals. He is healing people today. Our God cares. The Bible says that He cares about the birds of the field and the flowers of the field. And He cares about you even more than those. He cares. But He doesn't heal everyone all of the time. And in just a minute, I want to give you three reasons that He doesn't do that. But um, there is an aspect that we play. That we play. There's a moment in 2 Timothy where Paul is going on a missionary journey and he has to leave a friend behind. In 2 Timothy 4.20 it says, Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. So even Paul, doing great ministry, is leaving people behind sick. He tells Timothy, use a little wine for your stomach because you're sick. So even as you pray for healing, you do what's natural, right? You go to the doctor... You do the things that you're supposed to do, and you pray. So even Paul prayed that God would take this thorn away from him. He asked God to heal him of something. We don't know what it is. Job in the Old Testament, I mean, are you, it's all over the place. 
So even in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, God's doing all these miracles. He's healing all these people. But then there's people of God, even even what we would consider the best people of God, Paul and Paul's friends and Job, who the Bible says he was the only righteous man around. And God allows him to be smitten physically. His family's taken away. And all of these things happen. So, so Bible says God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God doesn't always heal everyone. But He is healing some. Tragically, Job's friends came and said, well, you've got sin in your life, or you didn't pray right, or you didn't do... And that's not true either. So let me, let me give you three reasons that Jesus didn't do miracles for everyone, and three reasons that Jesus doesn't do miracles for everyone. Okay, let's just, let's wrap our head around that first. Number one, Jesus refused to perform miracles to prove himself. Can I just say this to you as we talk about miracles? God doesn't owe you anything. God doesn't owe me anything. God can do whatever God wants, in whatever God's timing He wants, however He wants to do it. Can I get an amen? <laughs> we believe that. We know that. That's why Isaiah said in his book that he says, it's for God's glory and for no one else's. That there's just some things that we're not going to understand. And honestly, that's good news because if God is God, there's some things that He should know that we don't know. So He's God. But listen to this in Mark chapter 8, verses 11 to 12. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. Never a good idea. To test Him. They've come to Jesus. So let me say this. God's not afraid of your questions, and you should ask God your questions. But the motivation for your questions matters. The motivation for your questions matters. If you don't believe in Jesus today, we believe that there are good answers to every question that you have. And that the Bible has answers for those But these Pharisees come and question Jesus to test Him. And they asked Him for a sign from heaven. And listen to how Jesus responded in verse 12. He sighed deeply. Can I get an amen from the parents? Have you ever had a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a six-year-old or a two-year-old ask you a question and it's like... Like when it says Jesus sighed deeply, like it was either the kind when you're annoyed with your friend... Or it's the kind where you're annoyed with your children. Ugh. Right? Like, Jesus sighed deeply. Translated, Jesus is annoyed. And said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Translation, look around. What had Jesus been doing all through His ministry? Signs and wonders. Over and over and over and over and over. So He sighs deeply. Why does this generation ask Him for a sign? Truly I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Why? Because God doesn't need to prove Himself. He has already proved Himself. If you look, God is there. God is there. Number two, Jesus never performed a miracle that interfered with God's ultimate plan. There may be a very good reason that God says no to your request because of the plan for the rest of eternity that you and I cannot see. And that's hard to accept. But it's real. Listen listen to this. When, When Judas betrayed Jesus, right? And they're in the garden and Judas goes up and kisses Jesus on the face. Just imagine that moment. 
And then Peter. You gotta love Peter, right? Peter's like you and I. Peter's just like, if he thinks it, he does it, right? And that's never a good idea. We tell our kids, think before you speak, think before you act, do this, you know, Jesus, I, I imagine that Jesus every week was like, Peter, you need to think before you speak. What did I say? Think before you speak. Good boy, Peter, right? And then he wouldn't do it, kind of like our kids. And so, Judas betrays Jesus, and what does Peter do? Peter whips out the sword, man. Peter whips out the sword. And I'm imagining... So what happens is he cuts off a soldier's ear. But how many of you know that Peter wasn't going for the ear? He was just crazy. He was trying to chop that guy's head off and defend Jesus. And he misses and gets the ear. And what does Jesus do? Even in that moment where Jesus was just betrayed. How many of you, if you're betrayed by a friend, and you got a sword nearby and you knew you weren't going to get in trouble for it, Listen, your heart's deceitfully wicked above all things, the Bible says. What does Jesus do? He, he heals the guy. I mean, he could have at least let the guy's ear bleed. <laughs> That's just how you and I think. Like, if you're going to kill me, I'm going to let your ear bleed. Jesus heals him. And then it's just, God's always doing things in his own time and in his own plan. And listen to what he says in Matthew 26. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us. He's like, Peter, I appreciate the thought, but I'm God. I am God. I could ask for thousands of angels to protect us. And he would send them instantly. Jesus is God. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? There was a plan. The Bible's going to say later on that Jesus on the cross gives up his spirit and says it is finished. Without that, none of us are here right now. None of us have a chance to be made right with God. If Peter had chopped all their heads off and they had run away and hidden the cave and never heard from him again, none of this is happening. We're literally here thousands of years later worshiping Jesus, studying the Bible, because God had a plan. Because God had a plan. And He told Peter earlier, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. God was working a plan. He was working a plan. But number three is where the rubber meets the road for you and I. We know God can, and we've made the case that sometimes God doesn't. But in the cases that God would or will, what's the difference? What, what is the difference? What is the thing that you and I can do? Where can we hang our hat? Why can we continue to ask God for miracles? Number three, Jesus didn't do miracles where there was no faith. He didn't do miracles where there was no faith. Look at this. He, Jesus goes to his hometown and people are saying, Man, isn't that the carpenter? Isn't that Joseph's son? I mean, isn't that Mary's son? I mean, they were... He, he can't do anything. He can't do anything. And listen to what Jesus says about that in Matthew 13. It says, And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. That's the only reason. Could Jesus have done works there? Yeah, he could have. Was he willing to, according to that verse? Yeah. But it says he didn't because of their unbelief. 
The NIV translates that. I read the ESV. The NIV translates that lack of faith. Lack of faith. It, here, here's the reality. Your faith, somebody need to write this down. Your faith moves the heart of God. I can't explain that. I don't know why a sovereign God who knows everything is moved by your faith. But the Bible says He is. Can you prove that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Alright? There's a woman in the Gospels who, who had an internal bleeding problem for 12 years. And so spiritually, she's ceremonially unclean. And physically, she's got a serious problem. Nobody is spending time with her. The, the religious people won't. And the secular people won't. Because she's gross to both crowds of people. 12 years. And Jesus heals her. Jesus heals her. On his way to do something else, Jesus heals her. It's incredible. But listen to what Jesus says in Mark chapter 5, verse 34. He says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Are you tracking with that story? Jesus said, I know what I can do. But what is it that you believe that I can do? And I know I've gone to school for a long time and I've studied all the theology. For whatever reason, Jesus says, your faith can move him to action. I I don't know why, but I know that Jesus knows why. Can I get an amen? And so we pray because the Bible makes it clear that our faith can move the heart of God. Let me let me give you another another uh, example from Luke 17. There's a guy with leprosy falls at Jesus' feet, begins to worship Jesus in his problem, and here's what Jesus says to him in verse 19 of Luke chapter 17: Rise and go your way. Your what? Faith has made you well. Your faith can move the heart of God. Let me give you another one. Mark chapter 10. There's a blind man who screams out as Jesus walks by. He screams at Jesus and says, Have mercy on me. Some of you today, you just you, that's the cry you need to make. Have mercy on me. And here's what Jesus says in Mark 10. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. They didn't do anything crazy. What in reality happens is there's... This, this, this is amazing. And if you don't get anything else, you should get this. There are two things that amazed Jesus. Two things that amazed Jesus. Can, can, we, just, can we just agree that it's a big deal if Jesus is amazed? <laughs> I mean, we get amazed by stuff. Like we see a big home run or we see somebody make a shot at the buzzer in basketball. Or, you know, I don't know what you're into. Like uh, you see a cool basket being made. You know, I don't know. Whatever. We don't have to understand each other. And uh, (laughs) whatever it is you're into, we can agree, if Jesus is amazed, it's a big deal. And and, and there's two things that amaze Jesus. The first one is in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Here's what the Bible says. He went away from there and came to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished. The people are amazed, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? This is Jesus. This is Mary's boy. This is, he's a nobody. 
Verse 3, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? Do you know Jesus had sisters? If you didn't, now you do. Man. And they took offense at him. They're amazed that Jesus is doing crazy stuff, and they're offended by it. You're going to offer to pray with people, and they're going to be offended by it. Here's what Jesus says in verse 4. A prophet is not without honor. In a translation, I can do miracles all around the world and people think it's awesome. Sometimes you go places like home, can't get any honor. Verse 5. And this is such a fascinating verse to me. Look at this, verse 5. And he could not do mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. (laughs) I think that's pretty mighty. But what is God saying? I'm willing to do so much more. But look at what it says next. And he marveled. He was amazed because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. The first thing that amazes Jesus is a lack of faith. When you know what God can do, you need to pray for what God can do. Knowing that he can and knowing that in some cases he will we pray for it because he will the second thing that amazes Jesus is in Luke chapter 7 and it's the contrast it's a confident faith look at what the Bible says here after he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people he entered Capernaum now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent him sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. Nobody's worthy. Listen to this. Does this sound like our country? For he loves our nation, and he is the only one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with him. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord... Do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Now we're getting the proper perspective. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to no one, go. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And listen to this, verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. He was amazed again. And turning to the crowd that had followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Two things amazed Jesus. When you have a lack of faith, and when you have a confident faith. But only one moves him to action. Only one moves him to action. And I can't explain that theologically. I just know what Jesus told us. One moves him. No one's impressed. He's Joseph's son. And it's a little while. Like, wow, there's Joseph. There's Jesus. They roll their eyes. And Jesus is amazed at their lack of unbelief. At the lack of their faith. But what about you when it comes to your life? Which, which wow factor do you have? Are you wowed by Jesus? 
Maybe you don't have big faith. There's a story in Mark chapter 9 that we don't have time to unpack totally, but there's a dad who comes to Jesus and says, I need you to heal my son. I need you to heal my son. And his plea to Jesus was, how many of you this is rings true for you? Mark 9.24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You see, Jesus said you only need the faith of a mustard seed. It's the smallest seed there is. If you can find it in you to have any faith that God maybe, just maybe, would move on your behalf, He can do it. Let me me boil it down for you this way. Write this down if you're taking notes. Our faith is not based on what God does. Our faith is based on who God is. Does that make sense? Our faith is not based on what God does because He doesn't have to do anything. He finished everything you need for eternity on that cross. But isn't it amazing that God cares about you now? That God cares about your life, that He cares about you and your desires. The Bible says if you ask something in His name, He'll give you what your heart desires. Why can He say that? Because He's God. And if you're walking with Him, your motives will be pure. Our faith isn't based on what God does. Our faith is based on who God is. When Jesus came to earth, He said His highest priority wasn't to heal our physical bodies. It was to heal our soul. And just a spoiler alert, even if God heals you now or heals your loved one now, we are all eventually going to die. The Bible says that death is appointed for every man wants to die. And so we pray that God will because we know that He can. But all that does, all all that does is point us to this greater reality that we're all leveled in the playing field of life because apart from Christ, our eternity looks a whole lot different than it does with Christ. You know, we say around here that hell is a real place. It's not just a curse word. And God's provided a way for everybody. The Bible says that He's not willing for anyone to perish, but that all would come to eternal life. But the reality is, is many people every single day reject Jesus. And that's on them. Because Jesus provided a way for all of us to be made right with God. There, there's a miracle of healing that lasts for eternity. See, because you're a sinner and I'm a sinner. And that's the most offensive thing that we can say in this culture of tolerance. But the reality is, is truth is truth. And the Bible's the Bible. It's the Word of God and we trust it, we believe it, and we stake our life on it. That's why we're here. And the Bible says that you and I are sinners and that we fall short of the glory of God and that we all need rescue. And so I don't know where you're at today, but wherever you are, the band's going to come up, they're going to they're play another song for us. But it would be tragic for you today to walk out of this place not knowing Jesus. Because it's free. It's free. We're, we're, we're a good news church, right? The bad news is that you can't do it on your own. You've tried and you've failed over and over and over. There's something elusive out there that you need and His name is Jesus. And so as, as you consider that, and maybe, maybe you've known Jesus, maybe you know Jesus, maybe He is Lord of your life. 
But this idea that God can heal is something that you've known, but it's not something that you've believed in. And I want to encourage you today that no matter where you are, that God is at work in this world. One of the reasons we study miracles is because it reminds us and it builds our faith that God is God and we are not and that He can do whatever He wants to do. And that's good news because He can heal. He can bring to life. He can do the things that you and I can't do and we are good and well and ought to pray for them. But if He doesn't, we trust Him. See, because when God came to Job, <laughs> if anybody had a right to ask, it was Job. God took, allowed Satan to take away his family, take away his health, take away his money. God, he, everything gone. And God comes to Job, and Job's like, <laughs> Can I have a question? Can I ask you just one question, God? And God goes into three chapters of walking Job around saying, Where were you when I created the stars, Job? Where were you when I put water in the ocean, Job? Where were you when I did this, that, and this? And he goes, just goes on and on and on. And by the end of it, what Job is doing is worshiping God. You see, because no matter what happens in your life, eternity is a lot longer than today. And so sometimes it's helpful for us to step outside of the moment and know that in all of eternity, God has a plan. And our pain of today points us to have faith, hope, and trust in the healing of tomorrow. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we pray for Him to heal because He might. And we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen. But even if he doesn't, we know that there's coming a day when Jesus will come again and make all things new. And that's why we're here. Jesus prayed in in the Lord's Prayer in the garden before he was going to give up his life. He had just been betrayed and he was about to be betrayed by Peter. Everything going wrong in his life. He's about to die and his best friends are betraying him left and right. And he prays to the Father and says, Not my will but yours. Let your kingdom come on earth just as it is in heaven. And that's what we do. We're agents on earth bringing heaven. We're a good news church. There's a God in heaven and he loves you and he cares for you and he's working for you and he can heal you. But even if he doesn't, We'll trust Him. We'll trust Him. So why don't you stand with me? And in all of those scenarios, I've covered all of us. All of us fall in that somewhere. We either have somebody that needs to be healed or needs Jesus. And I just want to encourage you in this moment, what do we do? What we learned last week was that we can't smack people on the forehead and heal them. <laughs> we can't smack people on the head and bring them to Jesus I would love to be able to do that I'd be around slapping people and it'd be fun too but we know that we don't have that power but what's beautiful is we have a God who has that power and you and I have seen that and some of us it's just been so long since we've walked with Jesus and stayed close to Jesus and been in communion with Jesus and talked with Jesus 
that we've been missing what He's doing in the world. And so I want to encourage you to pray in this moment as Ben sings that you would just pray. It sounds so simple, but it's so profound because your faith moves the heart of God. What an incredible thing. And so if you don't know Jesus, I would encourage you to confess Him as Lord today and believe in Him. And if you do, it's time to pray. It's time to pray because your faith can move the heart of God. So let's pray together for just a moment while Ben sings. And you be encouraged by this song. And uh, then he's going to wrap up for us.